0: Well, someone's got to shout Amen tonight. Beautiful, good to have you with us today. Welcome, welcome those on Facebook and YouTube. We're glad that you're here with us this evening. Now we've been studying the book of Joshua, I believe very timely. And we find ourselves today in Joshua chapter 6 verses 1 to 20 we'll also look at Hebrews chapter 11 verse number 30 and uh, we've been looking at this great transition of Israel going into the promised land from the wilderness and so many things have happened Moses began leading them he brought them out of Egypt 40 years they wandered, complaining and murmuring and they were all disqualified all of them, except two only two believed out of millions only two it's hard to grasp that, isn't it? they all saw the same miracles they all saw the power of God they all saw things they've never seen before and yet only two believed hard to imagine yet how many times have you talked to someone who said you know you know if I only would see it I would believe it we know that's not true is it God revealed himself in such a powerful way only Joshua and Caleb had the faith to believe God they were the minority They were willing to take a risk and step out of their comfort zone. You see, it'd be easy to follow the majority because everybody said, no, no, wait a minute, this is the way to go. But God is looking for a man, a woman that's going to be able to say no to the majority because that's what the world is. They've got their own philosophy, their own mindset, but who's willing to stand against the majority? And it's hard to do that because you won't fit in and some of us are comfortable with that, we, we want to fit in, we want to be a part of something we want to fit in, but the truth is friends, God has not called us to fit in with this world we can't if you're trying to fit into the world you will always be uncomfortable because God's ways are not man's ways there will always be a problem, we are like salmon spiritual salmon swimming against the current only two believed Oh, but my friend, one with God is always a majority, isn't it? Oh, what God can do with one man that's willing to take a stand One woman that's willing to set herself apart And so they've entered into the Promised Land under Joshua Imagine how Joshua felt He has to replace Moses <laughs> Hey, can you imagine replacing Moses? I mean, just think about that for me There was nobody like Moses and you have to fill his shoes ah, but you see brothers and sisters, there's a principle here it doesn't matter how great, how small, how big somebody was, if God's called you to be a successor, if God has called you into an office he told Joshua the same thing he tells you I mean, obviously Joshua was nervous obviously Joshua said, well how am I gonna do this how am I going to survive? What, what in the world can I do that Moses couldn't do? And that's why God gave a word to Joshua and said, Joshua look as I was with Moses I will be with you. And all the miracles we've seen up to this point as God split the Red Sea under Moses' ministry God split the Jordan under Joshua's ministry and we see several experiences that Israel goes through that the children of Israel went through again, vindicating Joshua that as I was with Moses I will be, so don't fear and the truth is brother and sister you may not be a Joshua or a Moses or a Caleb but if God's called you somewhere to do something the principle still is the same it's the same principle if God has called you to do something then he will be with you because he called you if he leads you somewhere he will feed you there if he brings you to it he'll bring you through it no matter how daunting the task no matter how difficult it is and so God is leading Joshua into the promised land and this was an incredible time of transition transition could be a very precarious place, a very nervous time for many people who don't know the future and that's the problem with us as human beings, we don't like not knowing what's in our future, we, we want to know what's going to happen as we get there we want to have all the facts, we want to be prepared, but that can be the flesh that can be an act of carnality because what you're doing is as long as you're prepared I mean it's good to be prepared but you see there are times that God does not want you to be prepared so you can trust in Him there are times that God will not speak to you or give you the revelation you need at that moment because because if you understood it at that moment it could take you off course and so there are times that God is silent and you want God to speak and he's silent and you're not sure what God is saying in his silence is you've got to trust me so you be still and know that I'm God and I'm going to reveal it to you in my timing and so Joshua's about to experience many many things with the people of Israel they're in transition they don't know exactly what they're supposed to do they're taking it one step at a time and so they've now entered there's been a crossover and the greatest test is about to take place right before them in the land of Canaan was Jericho, this monstrosity of a city Jericho was the key, the center the main city of the land, this was it this was New York City, oh yeah and so there needed to be some strategy And you can be sure, friend, whenever there's a crossing over, whenever there's a victory from Kadesh Barnea into the promised land, from the wilderness into the promised land, you can be sure you will face a Jericho. You see, whenever God promises you something, my first P, you can be sure there'll be a problem somewhere. There'll be some form of perplexity. There'll be some kind of test that will take place. God doesn't bring you into the promised land and once you get there, everything's just going to be fine and dandy. There are things that you need to learn in the promised land. And the only way you can learn anything in life is through pain and suffering. We don't like to admit it, but that's just the way it is. Nobody grows up overnight. There's no, there's no elevators with God. Everybody needs to take the stairs. Everybody goes through an oven never a microwave because God is a God of process and He usually puts us in the oven on slow bake it's never mirinated, there's no microwave in heaven God doesn't work that way these drive-through breakthroughs don't exist there's no driveway in heaven McDonald's, you gotta sit down and eat at the restaurant, there's no drive, there's no fast service there's no quick Mick blessings, there's no quick Mick services, there's no quick McPrayer prayer meetings, there's no quick Mick answers. There's a time and there's a process, and God does His best work in you and in me in a process. And time is, is vital in this process. Time. It's never usually quick. Sometimes God does quick work, but most of the time, it's slow and it's for a purpose and there's a reason behind it and so there's a problem now, there's an obstacle this crossing over there's victory but victory comes at a price my friend there's always going to be a test President Eisenhower of the United States once said victory never comes at a discount price true your victories do not come just because You snap your fingers or you have the ability or the expertise to to deal with it. No, no, no. There's usually a price to pay. Whenever there's true growth, there's a price to pay. Whenever you get to another level spiritually, there's always a price to pay. We don't like to do that. We want fast. We don't want the process. We want instant. We want the product before us. But God says, no, I've got to bring you through something. But that's where the victory comes. And that's why Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to follow me, what do you have to do? you have to deny yourself, And pick up the cross and follow me, the word follow in the Greek means it's in the present part, it means keep on following, it's talking about your walk with God your walk with God, there's a journey we talk a lot about the journey, and in that journey there's a process and while you're in this journey, in this race, as Paul speaks of you're going to go through a lot of experiences before you cross the finish line and it's in those experiences where growth takes place and so here is Jericho, this big obstacle but God has promised them victory but nonetheless, here is Jericho, and verse 1 tells us they heard, and they were fearful, and they prepared for them the these Canaanites heard what God did in the past, just as Rahab did. And they were fearful they couldn't they 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 heard about what God did in the wilderness. He heard they heard about all the and they brought fear upon them. And they were preparing themselves to fight the Israelites and so the stage is set and Joshua crosses over the Jordan and now he gets instructions from God to go into Jericho and God tells him Joshua you're gonna conquer the land verse number two you're gonna do it because I have given it to you now this is one of the most unusual set of plans ever recorded in the entire Word of God and I'll tell you what God tells Joshua to do now God didn't tell Joshua what he was going to do until he got to Jericho sometimes God won't give you what you need to know until you get there cause if you knew before it might alter your path you might get cold feet you might say, wait a minute, I can't handle this and so he gives them these plans of how to deal with Jericho it's found in verses 3 and 4 and the Lord said to Joshua see I've given you the hand of Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor verse number 3 and ye shall compass the city, surround the city, all ye men of war, and go around about the city once. Thus shalt thou do this six days. What? And seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of rams, horns, and seventh day ye shall compass or surround the city seven times, and the priest shall blow with the trumpets and it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn and when ye hear the sound of the trumpet all the people shall shout with a great shout and the wall of the city shall fall down flat and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. We'll stop right there. Wow! Now wait a minute Lord, am I hearing you right? Lord are you giving me this, this, this has to be my imagination let me tell you something friends, sometimes when God speaks and it sounds outrageous or outlandish, just doesn't, it, it doesn't always mean it's not God, you see our humanity and our natural realm tells us this can't be God because it's, it's just too it's too outlandish, it's just, it just doesn't make sense you don't fight a war by walking around the city seven times how, how do you fight the, this doesn't make sense But let me tell you, brothers and sisters, God usually doesn't make sense. Why? Because He doesn't operate in the natural realm. So when God does something or says something, it won't always make sense to you because you and I are thinking as mere human beings. We're thinking rationally. We're thinking reasonably. And we know in the Bible and if you look at the Bible and study the Bible, how many times do you find directions from the Lord or that just was absolutely uh, you know, unconscionable? That just didn't make sense. Imagine Gideon is told by the Lord, I want you to diminish your army to 300, and by the way, this army will be chosen by how they drink water. Not how strong they are, how experienced they are, how they can use the spear or the bow if they drink like a dog or if they lap the water with their hands well, that's going to determine whether they are going to be in your army now what if God spoke to you about that? how would you respond to something that just, is, just sounds ridiculous? well I'll tell you something friends, there are many times God will tell you to do something that will not make sense and your faith will be tested I just heard a story the other day unbelievable this woman is driving her car two-story and she uh, is praying to God she says God I just want you to use me so badly she really had a hunger to be used by God and she's driving and she's just so happened to pass the 7-eleven this is in the United States Chicago area and she passes the 7-eleven and God spoke to her said I want you to go into the parking lot of set and stand on your head now folks don't get me wrong God doesn't always speak to us like this okay but I'm just making a point point. and she thought she lost her mind this is crazy this doesn't make sense she just drove right by but this it was nagging her and it was just she couldn't get it off her mind and then a still small voice came and the Lord spoke to her said I thought you said you wanted me to use you and you wanted to be used more than anything else and she stopped the car and she went back and she did exactly that, she went in the parking lot and she stood on her head as a woman came out of 7-eleven she began to scream she made a beeline for this woman she says, oh, you have no idea what's happening I'm so grateful to God, she goes "What?" she says, I just finished praying, I was doubting God And I asked him, says, God, this doesn't sound right. If you want me to do this, then and she thought she was making something that would never happen, something impossible, something extreme. So then God, you get someone to stand on their head in the parking lot. True story, my friend. Now I'm not saying God operates like this all the time. Don't misunderstand me. But there are times God will do something that is absolutely out left field. Because He's God. And when you study the scriptures, just look what God did. He talked through a donkey. Now now we read the book and we say, okay, but just imagine you being a prophet hearing this. He used Shamgar to fight 600 Philistines with a whip. Shamgar says, Lord, what am I going to use to fight the enemy? Take the code." An ox, take this whip. David fought the strongest man alive with a measly little pebble. I want to tell you something, brothers, and say if God is behind your pebble, no giant can stand behind you or in front of you. See, the point we are making here is that in this journey, in this time of transition you're crying out to God God might bring a direction in your life that won't compute in the natural realm and your faith will be tested Joshua's faith is being tested he's used to seeing warfare he he fought, remember he he would remember in, in, in Exodus 17 when Moses was praying on the mountain he was fighting the Amalekites with a sword he was used to conventional warfare And now Joshua you're my man and I want to bring you into another level spiritually and if you're going to get to another level spiritually I'm going to have you trust me in a way you've never trusted me before. I'm going to stretch your faith to believe me for the impossible. Joshua I want you to take your people, all of them and surround the city once a day and the seventh day you do it seven times. How unusual is that? But this is how you know it's God. Man could never think of something so absurd. Now, if you're Joshua, okay, you're dealing, how do you explain this to the people? I mean, that's another issue. It's not reasonable. This doesn't seem reasonable. Oh, this is for free. Somebody will catch it. I'm not sure, but please don't misunderstand me. Reasonable? My friends reasonable people never really do great things for God oh I'm going to get some letters but hang on to your hats understand what I'm saying to you reasonable people I mean if you're going to wait for every dot to be I to be dot and every T to be cross before you move out with God before you trust him, then friends you're going to wait a long time was Peter reasonable when he got out of the boat and began to walk on water when there was a storm no when you look at scriptures, and you'll see that these people that did great exploits, their faith was always being challenged. It didn't make sense. And that's why you've heard me say over and over again, God will offend your mind to reveal your heart. Will you trust Him even if it doesn't make sense? Will you step out even if it doesn't make sense? And so Joshua's got to tell the people now what God had spoken to him. Why would God give such strange directions? Oh, well, friends, nobody would get the credit. (laughs) And so I want to share some principles as I break it down this evening. Principles that begin with S. The first principle I see here is the principle of silence. Notice verse number 10 of Joshua chapter 6. Notice verse number 10 and Joshua commanded the people saying ye shall not shout nor make any noise with your voice neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth until the day I bid you to shout then shall ye shout the principle of silence don't say a word you're just going to walk around the city and you're going to be anesthetized verbally you don't say one word you just walk around Jericho you do it once a day you, keep, you don't say one word and on the seventh day you do the same thing until I tell you when it's time to speak, when it's time to shout Boy, I think a lot of people can learn from this just by, that's just you know in daily living there but uh, the principle of silence they were not to say one word for six days imagine that you know silence can be extremely loud why <laughs> no, did this happened God just wanted his people to be obedient do you remember Jesus in Matthew 15 the Syrophoenician woman had a daughter possessed with the devil and she she did whatever she could to get to Jesus she she even had to deal with the disciples what are you doing here and 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 he finally meets Jesus after all this this turmoil and, and she, the disciples wanted her out and she looks to Jesus and, and pleads please, Jesus my daughter is possessed, can you please do something, you're the only hope I have, and the Bible tells us Jesus didn't even say a word to her. Well, there was a reason for that. But there are times, friends, that you cry out to God, and all you'll hear is silence. You'll hear your voice, but you won't hear the voice of God. The principle of silence but there are times that God wants you to be silent to say nothing it's tough when we are given too much words some people, their personalities they're very verbal I'm a verbal person this could be hard for someone like me there are times God wants you to say nothing and do what Mary did when the angel visited her and gave her this incredible revelation that That she'll be pregnant by the Holy Ghost and give birth to the Messiah. And the Bible said she pondered these things in her heart. She was silent. Most of us would have freaked out. (gasps) Did you know what happened to me? The angel. There are times, friends, you have to be silent. Because if you declare it, worse things can happen. Keep it to yourself for the right time don't have to always bring it out and splurt it out times you've got to be still and know that I'm God there's times you just got to keep silent and say nothing because God's doing his work even though it didn't make sense God is saying when they lean over the wall and taunt you do not respond to them just be still and know that I'm God that there's a reason for this and we have to work hard at being silent friends God was teaching him to trust him to say nothing someone once said, I've often regretted the multitude of my words but I've never regretted when I was silent the multitude of words, they're sin and there's some people that just cannot be silent they just got to keep talking, they like to hear their voice, they keep talking, 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 talking and I'll tell you, if you're like that, there's a multitude of sins you will end up saying something that will displease the Lord we have to work hard at being silent the Bible says, be still and know that I am God and my brothers and sisters, I'm going to tell you something there are times we just got to shout out the world and get alone with God so you can hear His voice how do you expect to hear the voice of God when you're speaking all the time and you're going around walking around and you're not and you're not focusing you're not closing yourself in to hear him he that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow we need to get into that secret place to be able to be still and to hear his voice Jesus said my sheep hear my voice why is this important? Because, because the shepherd's voice is heard, because the shepherd spends a long time with the sheep. The sp- sheep spend a lot of time with the shepherd, and and with that time they spend together, they get to know each other, and the sheep get to know the shepherd's voice because they're spending a lot of time with the shepherd. And so it is in prayer, spending a lot of time with God in prayer. You get to hear that still, small voice. You get, to, you, get, you get to hear what God is saying. And sometimes God speaks in the whirlwind. Sometimes God speaks like in an earthquake, in a tornado. But sometimes like Elijah, Elijah will tell you, he sometimes speaks in a very soft voice. And you have to be sensitive enough to hear it. But you can't hear it if, the volume of the world is turned up on high you got to turn down that volume of the world yeah yeah and 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 get to a place where you can be alone with god listen prayer is never learned in the classroom it's always learned in the closet i was watching a documentary of the shepherds and each shepherd had a flock of sheep and so it was an experiment so one shepherd that would whistle to his sheep went to another sheep to see if those sheep would respond and he whistled his call that he would do his own sheep they never responded the other shepherd from the other flock did the same to his flock he whistled they didn't respond but the shepherd who shepherd a group of sheep came on the scene and he whistled and all the sheep, it was amazing, I saw this was, they just I don't, it's hard to see sheep were actually running to the shepherd they were not running to the other shepherds because Jesus said my sheep Hear my voice, my, the Greek word, mu, my, it speaks of my intimacy, or theos, mu, my, my sheep. There's a relationship. See, when you have a relationship with God, there's that intimacy that you're spending time with God. You're able to hear His voice. But if you're not spending time with God, how can you hear His voice? You'll hear other voices, and you'll be influenced what other people say, but not what the voice of the Lamb of God is saying. You know I was watching another documentary about seals, and it's amazing to me during calving season you 'll see all these seals being born like on these beaches they're there's, actually on sable beach um, there's a, a huge I think it's a harbor seal, or gray seals, and it was, I think the documentary was located there, and myriads of these baby seals, and so, but mom has to eat, she's got to nurse her babies, she's got to feed, and so mom has to take off into the deep blue sea to get some fish, or squid, or shrimp, you got to eat to produce milk, has to leave baby alone for a little while, well, there's a huge problem with that. Because one mom does it, so are the rest of the mothers doing it. And you get thousands and thousands of mother she- uh, seals going into the water, and they're coming back with their food, and they've got to feed their babies. Now, wait a minute, we have a problem here. You've got thousands of sheep, thousands of them. How do you know who's who? They all look alike. I can get in trouble saying that, but... But they all do look alike. That's, that's the difference. How does mom discern one little seal from the next? Well, you see, when mom goes and there's about to come back, all these seals, they're crying out. They miss mom. They're hungry. They're hungry. And they're crying out. They're crying out. And it's unbelievable because I saw that. You will see one mother after all these sheep all of them, thousands of them, you'll see a mother making a beeline right to her baby because the mother knows the cry of her baby. My sheep hear my voice. You see, the mother spends a lot of time with her baby. You see, it's all about intimacy. The more you know God, the more distinct His voice becomes in your life and so when you're praying and asking God for direction, you're able to discern which way to go, you'll be able to understand, you'll be able to know what to do and so we see the principle of silence an act of obedience, then the principle of submission, notice verse number 8 verse number 8, we see the principle of submission we just talked about the principle of silence and it came to pass when Joshua had spoken unto the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns passed on before the Lord and blew with the trumpets and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them submission, submission watch it, Joshua says here he gets his orders To attack and to obey it completely. Joshua speaks to the people. They responded as well. You see, they were given instructions one day at a time. That's how God wants us to live. One day at a time. The priests are going to do this. The people are going to do that. It's very, very similar to what we see in Exodus 16. When God told the Israelites that they're supposed to get what? They're supposed to get the manna enough for that day. If you get more manna, more than you need it's going to it's going to smell it's going to it's going to decay if you will be filled with bacteria you won't be able to eat it and god was teaching the principle of submitting to him one day at a time, one step at a time, did not Jesus say seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness, put God first it's day by day, you take it day by day, give us this day our daily bread, that's what the manna was, what was manna to the people of Israel, is what Jesus is talking to the church, and speaking and teaching to the church, give us this day our day what is bread, the bread is the word of God, we are to read and study his word each and every day, day by day, we take a morsel of his word one day we can't take 10 morsels and we forget the next 10 days we study and pray and seek Him day by day it's a daily commitment we are to submit to that principle you want to be a believer a true believer you want to be a person that's strong in the Lord you want to be able to know his will you want to be able to be led by his spirit well here it is give us this day our daily bread as you are partaking in his bread as you are studying his word as you are reading his word God begins to fill you God begins to speak to you it's like manna from heaven God begins to direct you but the problem is the problem is we want God but we're not interested in studying His word we want God we say but we're not willing to submit to Him we want God but yet we want the world we want a dog but we don't want to walk the dog the word of God is mandatory and Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you got to surrender your life and submit to me this is daily you don't deserve serve God when you feel like it oh, it's, it's nice and sunny outside, maybe I should go to church today Your, your, your relationship with God's got nothing to do with the circumstances or what's around you. It's a commitment that comes from within you. It's like a marriage. I'm, you're married to your wife or to your husband despite how you might feel at that moment. It makes no difference because you're committed. You're committed to the end. It's not based on feelings and emotions, it's based on commitment. the word of God is bread for daily use it's not like a piece of cake for special occasions daily use as we surrender to Him, as we submit to Him you see, what the people had to do was to get up early, march around the city in silence and go back home and the next day, they were supposed to do the very same thing and it seemed strange and it took commitment and it took submission because it didn't make sense it reminds me of, of Naaman and, and, and um, uh, the, the general of the, the uh, Syrian army who was a leper and a little girl told them of a, of a prophet that can bring healing to you Naaman and he was searching for healing, but he was a gentile, but he was willing to listen and she said, he's a hebrew prophet Elisha, and here is where he lives and so he takes an entourage of men, he brings some money, he thinks he can buy his healing like a lot of people do, think you can earn your way to God and so he brings his money, Elisha doesn't want his money he says, "What's, what's the issue here, he says, I want to be healed, he says, "All right, fine go dunk yourself seven times in the Jordan excuse me, here's my money, can you just touch me, wave your wand or something, bring healing, but what do you mean, dunk yourself in the Jordan, get baptized seven times, do you think that made sense to a Gentile general of the greatest army of that day? he said, wait a minute, what's so good about the Jordan, I'll get... I'll go back to Syria. There's better water there. It's dirty here. See, it didn't make sense. Again, back to that first point. didn't make sense to Nahum. But God wanted him to do it. Again, I repeat, God might want you to do something that was as strange to Nahum. But it's exactly what God wants you to do. And so he went down once, no healing. Went down twice, no healing. Went down three times, his soldiers are laughing at him. They're mocking at him. You can imagine what he went through. But he kept going down the third time, the fourth time, the fifth time. He did it the seventh time. And lo and behold, the seventh time, as he rises out of that dirty water, he's cleansed because he obeyed fully. No partial obedience here and that's some of us we want one foot in Christ and one foot in the world it does not work like that partial obedience will not get you to where you need to be They submitted, and they went around the city. Now the the Canaanites are taunting them; they're mocking them. They're going around the city each day. They don't got any swords; they got no spears. They're just in silence, walking around like mummies around, and they're laughing. They're being mocked, and maybe some of them said, "Wait, this is a little crazy. What are we doing here? How are we going to win this, Joshua? How are we going to fight this battle just by walking around the city?" Elisha, you want me to dunk myself seven times in this water? this dirty water? and that's what's going to bring my healing? are you kidding me? seems so strange but they all marched not just the selected few you see in God's economy my friends there are no spectators there must, must be participators And there's three types of believers that I've been able to assess over the years that I've been able to see. Number one, there are maintainers. Number two, there are inhibitors. And number three, there are innovators. Maintainers, inhibitors, innovators. Maintainers. These are believers who just say, ah, I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to hear the pastor, have a nice sermonette. Get a little stirred, that's enough for me. I go home, have my lunch, and that's just good enough for me. Maintainers. Just borderline. People like that will never make a difference in this world. A lot of these people are very reasonable people, calculated people, but they're maintainers. They never go the extra mile they'll never really see the power of God in their lives number two there are inhibitors those that hinder people from going further with Christ Oh, you know who I'm talking about I had a few of them in my life when I first got saved oh I was so excited I went to church I went to church and I started telling and I came across a board member oh brother I'm so excited God this this and then he says oh Dino in time you'll, you'll, you'll get quiet in time, do you know that fire won't be there? No, 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 no. You, You'll you, you get all excited now, but that's going to soon fade away. You know, this will happen and that will happen, and you know, you're just going to be like one of us. That's why the Sadducees were sad, you see. You know, they were inhibitors. You know, people that stop you from going to another level? That's impossible! You know, the naysayers. Oh, don't do that because, you know, always bringing something negative. No, you can't do that because if you do that, you know, you... No, what are people going to think? Oh, you can't do this because last week... Always finding something to hinder you from going to the next level. Usually a reflection of their own faith and their own commitment. Inhibitors. And then finally, there's a third type of believer called the innovators. Those that step out those that walk by faith and not by sight those that are not going to be, be be discouraged because others might not agree. I'm not talking about being rebellious. That's another spirit. I'm talking about knowing what God wants you to do, and you're just going for it. You're going to be like Peter. You're going to get out of that boat, even though it doesn't make sense. The storm's all around you, but you see Jesus, and I'm going to walk. I'm going to walk to Him, even if I have to walk on water. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be like Joshua. I, I don't have any sword. I got no spear. But if God says to walk around the city six times, I'm just going to obey Him, even to see innovators. Visionaries! Where are they today? Did you know the Bible says that my people perish? That those who have no vision will what? Will perish. If you don't have vision, you don't have a raison d'etre. If you don't have vision, you have no reason to get up in the morning. If you got no vision, there's no joy in your step. There's no kick in your step. Vision! Is what keeps the blood flowing. And without it you perish. The word perish in the Hebrew is an unwound turban. Loose. No purpose. No direction. I've seen this. I know people who've got no vision. No direction. They just live in the moment. A lot of our kids are like that today. Teenagers. They live in the moment. When I see people living in the moment, no vision. No passion no discipline let us eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow we die the philosophy of the Greek Epicureans exists today in great proportions innovators are visionaries, God is looking for innovators people are willing to stand for righteousness willing to believe God against all odds now what's interesting, God never told the people what would happen but just to do it again let me repeat this God never told the people what would happen just obey it and that took faith day by day the point is to obey even when you don't see it, don't understand it this is why Noah was such a great man of faith who was in the hall of faith can you imagine taking of course exaggerating, you're hammer and you're hammering the nails in this monstrosity, this ark because God told them it was going to rain he never saw rain before, all they had was dew, there was no such thing as rain and he's hammering away because he's believing there's going to be a flood people are laughing at him, all there is is dew, ah but friends one day the laughter stopped when the rain began Moses believed when he never saw rain, didn't know what it was and he persevered hammering those nails when everybody was mocking him and that's the tough part can you persevere when people are mocking you can you go forward ladies I've counseled many many over the years women that had husbands who want nothing to do with God or the other way around and you've got to deal with this atmosphere day after day that isn't easy but if you just keep hammering by faith keep trusting God even when you don't see the rain when the floods will come the floods will come God's word will come his promises will come but it isn't easy for hundred and twenty years being mocked at not knowing exactly what rain is yet he persevered why faith in God's promises faith in God's word that's why we are to walk by faith and not by sight because sight will tell you no Stop hammering. It's not going to happen. Sight will tell you. Stop making a fool of yourself. Do you know? Don't you see what they're? This is crazy. Stop. Put your hammer down. Try to get along with these people. Just fit in. Don't be so obscure. Will you be reasonable, please? Noah wasn't reasonable because he heard from God. So not only do we see the principle of silence, of submission, but notice number three, strategy. The principle of strategy. Notice verse 6, 8, 9, and 13. 6, 8, 9, and 13. We'll have it on the screen for you. And Joshua, the son of Man, called the priests and said to them, "Take up the ark of the covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of rams, horns before the ark of the Lord." Seven. And he said unto the people, "Pass on and compass the city, and let them him that is armed pass on before the ark of the Lord." And it came to pass when Joshua had spoken unto the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumps of the ram's horns passed on before the Lord and blew with the trumpets and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. Verse number 9 and 13. And the armed men went before the priests that blew with the trumpets and rearward came after the ark and the priests going on and blowing the trumpets. And the seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew with the trumpets and the armed men went before them but they, the rearward came after the ark of the Lord and the priests going on and blowing with the trumpets. What is going on? Notice God gave, watch it, first gave Joshua the plan of strategy not to anyone else. You see there were between two to three million Israelites and there was a strategy, an order to follow. This was a well-organized plan given by God. Notice the order. First the priests would carry the ark upon their shoulders, then the soldiers would follow them, the workers in other words, and the people would follow them. Verse 8, this is what we call divine order. Joshua received the vision, the strategy, he spoke to the priests, and it went down to the people there was a plan how to walk what the priests will do what they will carry why they would carry it how long how far apart should they be and they all did this together this was so constructive that it struck fear in the hearts of the Canaanites can you imagine what they thought when they saw them walking in silence, now they've got trumpets, they've got the Ark of the Covenant, they've got priests, and they're... Wa- they, this was, can you, what would you do if you were seeing this? Now remember, they were fearful of the Hebrews because they heard what God had done so they didn't want to do anything at this point. They were just observing them what they were doing and th- this, this probably shocked them what in the world is going on? Israelites are marching and scholars tells us that it took between 30 and 40 minutes to encircle the city and then they vanished until the next day on the seventh day they came just a little bit earlier talk about psychological warfare Talk about the silent treatment. And so we see silence, submission, strategy. Then the fourth principle. What do we see here? The principle of the Spirit. What is the principle of the Spirit? Notice verse number six. Notice verse number six. And Joshua the son of Nun called the priest and said unto them, Take up the ark of the covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of rams, horns before the ark of the Lord. Notice the ark of the Lord the covenant there's the key there it is the presence of God the Bible says that at that very center of this march the ark must be there the most outstanding visual part was this box carried on the shoulders of these Levites this was the word of God this was the presence of God and we learned in Joshua chapter 3 that God instructed Joshua as you march into the promised land you make sure that the ark of the covenant is on the priest's shoulders and they put this pole right in between these round circular uh, uh, holes and you put them in there and you have the priests carry them and you need to be about a half mile behind them so that everybody in the camp is able to see the ark must be the focal point the ark must be the key it's about the presence of God and what was in the ark the manna the ten commandments and Aaron's rod that budded without any root speaks of the spirit the miraculous power of God the ten commandments speaks of the law of God and the manna speaks of God's provision the bread a picture of Jesus and they're saying as you're marching into the promised land I want you to focus in on God I want you to focus in on who he is and what he's about to do I want you to focus on the one who is able to do all things don't look to the right, to the right. keep your eyes on Jesus that's exactly what Jehoshaphat did when the enemy came against them he proclaimed the fast he was vastly outnumbered the Bible tells us in 2nd Chronicles chapter 20 I believe it's the 15th verse said, and his eyes were on the Lord what's the principle of the spirit? keep your eyes on the Lord focus on the ark we don't have an ark today we have the cross, but Jesus is not on the cross we do what Paul said, to, to, to set your affections on things above and not on things of the earth, we do what Jesus has in Mark, Mark, Matthew 6 to seek first the kingdom of God he didn't say second or third keep your eyes on the ark as you're marching as you're going into battle or whatever you do in life Make sure God is before you. Whatever you do, make sure your eyes are on Jesus. Wherever you go, make sure your eyes are on Jesus. That's the principle of the Spirit. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. We must be led by His Spirit. Oh, lift up my eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help, David. And this was the mistake that David did. You all remember 2 Samuel chapter 6. The ark finally comes back to Jerusalem. The Philistines couldn't stand having the ark. They were afflicted with all kinds of disease. They said, We got to get rid of this ark. And they sent it upon a cart, a new cart driven by oxen to David David was fascinated he was all excited he takes the very same cart driven by oxen the ark upon it God didn't do anything when the Gentile Philistines did it because they didn't know any better Ah, but now, David, the king, a Hebrew, who knows better, as they're going to Jerusalem, and David's all excited, all of a sudden, uh, the, uh, the oxen hit a rock, this, and it caused them to stumble, and the cart shifted, and the ark was about to fall, oh, the travesty, oh, the, and so one of the priests, it was, uh, says, no, I'm going to secure it, and he, tried to rescue the ark, to save the ark from falling, and he was smitten with leprosy. David couldn't understand. Couldn't, again, didn't make sense to David. But David was depressed. He gave the ark to obed and God was blessing him. He couldn't figure out what in the world is going on. Listen, you can be a David and still not know what's going on. So don't get too cocky with me. David did some research. He went back. (laughs) Like all great men of God. He went back to the word. He said, wait a minute. I I got to go back to the Torah. I got to go back to the five books of Moses. I got to find out what's going on here. I got to go back to the king. And we discover that God instructed a strategy that when you take the ark, Moses tells us, you are to take it certain way and that evolved into bringing the ark upon your the shoulders of the priest and you're to carry it that way that's the way of the Lord and if you don't do that there will be consequences we don't like to talk much about that we don't talk about consequences today we think we can do our own thing and just get away with it there are teachings like that today there are teachings that will tell you we you know God just loves you and he' died on the cross for you, and his love is so deep and so powerful sounds really good so far that it's OK, because you, no matter what you do, God's love will cover your sins. Well, still doesn't sound too bad. So don't worry about it. See? It Does't matter if you're gay, if you're a lesbian, if you're a murderer? It, God's love covers that. Uh, wait a minute. Don't I have to repent of my sins? No, no, no. You see, His love is so powerful that He took care of all your sins on the cross. You don't have to do anything. What a bunch of garbage. Lies and deception that people are lapping up. You know why? Because it satisfies the flesh. And I deal with these type of people on a fairly regular basis. You can't talk to them. listen friends, God's ways are not man's ways and David realized, and, he, and the book of Chronicles tells us that David realized his mistake and he repented and he put the ark on the shoulders of the priest and was able to bring it triumphantly back to Jerusalem even David can make mistakes so can you and so can I but the difference is that David loved God and he hungered for God and he wanted to learn and he wanted to grow there's a strategy there's directions that God gives and we must hear them and so the ark must be your focal point and that principle, brothers and sisters, applies to us today in the 21st century we don't have a physical ark but we must keep our eyes on Jesus, our spiritual ark What is God teaching them? That it is not your strength, it is my strength. It's not your power, it's my power. It's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. It's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit says the Lord, and this mountain shall be removed, this mountain shall be removed, this mountain shall be removed, by your abilities, or your ability, and your analysis, and your strength, and your power, and your PhDs, and your... By my spirit says, There's no way Israel could have defeated Jericho conventionally. Impossible. There wasn't enough military strength in Israel to defeat Mississauga. they didn't have anything ah, but the critics come and they'll say to you, well pastor hold on a second, they'll tell you, wait a minute those walls came down, really God and these are liberal theologians I deal with them I deal with them liberal theologians, oh those walls came down it wasn't really the power of God these were natural cataclysmic events or natural occurrences see, liberal theologians always try to use reason to explain the supernatural you can't explain the supernatural with reason logic and so they'll tell you, "Well, wait a minute uh, pastor those walls came down because there was an earthquake at the time okay, I, that could be, God has used earthquakes before but there's, on, there's a problem here's the problem if it was an earthquake strong enough to tear down the walls of Jericho the walls of Jericho were six feet wide they had chariot races on top of the walls if an earthquake is powerful enough to destroy the walls of Jericho wouldn't it also destroy Israel as well who were just a few yards away at Gilgal? absolutely and what about Rahab? she lived on the outside wall and Rahab didn't die an earthquake that destroyed the outer wall would it not destroy her home as well? well the bible says her home was intact this was by design this, her house didn't come down because of some, some generic uh, you know, earthquake God did something and spared her house there was design other li- liberal theologians will tell you, well you know when they blew the trumpets in verse 20 the sound waves blew the walls down <coughs> you're telling me six feet wide walls are going to be blown down by trumpets and it takes more faith to believe this nonsense I'd love to get a hold of one of them and talk to them, to where are they at, I, 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 what is this? You don't want to believe in the power of God but you want to believe that the trumpet sound blew that, that sound waves broke the walls sound waves how ridiculous then if, it, if things could get worse if they're going to get worse listen to this group some say well you know when they marched the vibrations on the ground caused the walls to come down the vibrations on the wall How ridiculous. You see 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says the natural mind cannot comprehend the things of the spirit. It seems foolishness to them. The Bible says that the walls came down during the harvest time now watch this, look how incredible God's word is archaeologists discovered that as they looked at the ruins of Jericho unbroken jars with grain filled to the top were discovered you see, when God told Joshua to go into Jericho He told him, when you ransack that city, when the walls, I don't want you to touch any of the food, supplies, you leave everything intact. Normally when the enemy came into a village or a city they would steal and take everything they would ransack they get all the spoils all the spoils stayed there they found grain to the top which proves that this was Jericho because God told Joshua don't touch any of the food. WOW! now watch this it gets even more exciting there was an archaeologist from Germany called Gertstang in 1930 Gertstang who uh, wanted to, th- to, to know more about Jericho he, he was a believer and he wanted to know about the walls of Jericho so he took a group of people and he went to Jericho where the walls came down to that specific place and he dug but what he did he had better equipment than his predecessors he dug deeper than all the rest of them and he found pots he found weapons that dated back to the time about uh, 3,000 400 B.C., he found weapons and pots again with the grains to the top but he also found something he found a fault line that has not been active in the depths of Jericho and what he concluded that this was first of all he found walls that were broken and he concluded that indeed it was an earthquake but that this earthquake had purpose and design in other words the liberals said it was an earthquake, but what Gertstein was saying it was an earthquake, but it was an earthquake that was powerful enough just to localize, to destroy that city that did not affect Israel. Well isn't that how God operated in the past? when Israel when God afflicted 10 plagues in Egypt the Egyptians received the plagues, but the Hebrews didn't, but they were living in the area but they weren't touched so this was a strategic earthquake that was so powerful but there was a design only for Jericho just like only for Rahab don't touch Rahab didn't touch her you see everything was done by the Lord but it was specific it was a specific localized I believe earthquake that brought down the walls God has used earthquakes before what happened to Moses when he was on Mount Sinai and he received the commandments there was earthquakes and lightnings what happened to Korah? we just talked about that on Sunday I believe number 16 when he rebelled against Moses and Moses oh yeah okay he didn't like his leadership he said okay well we'll see who God has called you take your men on this tent I'll take my men over here beside each other and what happened to Korah? an earthquake came and sucked him up but Moses was maybe forty feet away from him a specialized localized designed earthquake for that particular area this is what God had done what happened to Jesus in Matthew 27 when he died on the cross? what happened around him? were there not an earthquake that took place that opened up the graves and they walked out of the graves? was there not an earthquake? God uses earthquakes Pastor Pastor Josh, what about Revelation chapter 6 verse 12 please? we're doing a Bible study uh, a devotional every day on daily devotions we're looking at the book of Revelation and we talked about this this morning it just so happens to be coinciding with my text and, be, and I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal and lo, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth and hair and the moon became as blood this will be during the time of the tribulation the church will be raptured seven years of tribulation will take place and when the sixth seal will open earthquakes God using earthquakes To get people's attention, to bring judgment. So God uses earthquake. The walls came down. Exactly as God said. Historians discovered that there was a house in all of these ruins that was still intact in 1989, Brian Wood archaeologist Christian apologist made a documentary on Jericho and discovered a house that was not destroyed among the ruins in Jericho and he believes it was Rahab's because it was the only house that stood the Bible says this is a documentary folks, it's incredible when you study God's word I don't mean like a, like a tourist. Oh, that's a nice place you visited. Oh, well, let me. Oh, that's an. Oh, that. Did you see that? Oh, that's nice. Oh, what about the? See, it's tourist theology. You visit the place, you glance, and you move on. We're not talking about tourist theology. I'm talking about theology that comes from the heart of an archaeologist that digs, digs deeper, gets into the word. studies the word don't be a tourist when it comes to the word of God be an archaeologist you discover powerful and beautiful things it's exactly what the Bible said praise God is so reliable God said to Rayab that she would be spared and she was spared Yes, my friends, the same God that tore down the walls of Sodom and Gomorrah is the same God that tore down the walls of Jericho, a city filled with wickedness. And, friends, one day God's going to tear down the walls of corruption in this world. You see the time had come in the book of Genesis remember God had prophesied to Abraham when the wickedness of the Amorites and the Canaanites will reach its crescendo and its apex then he will destroy uh, the nations in fact God gave them 420 years to repent but they did not repent and God's judgment came only two entered into the promised land, Caleb and Joshua but of the Canaanites only one came, Rahab and he gave 420 years, only one comes it's okay for God so loved the world that whoever whoever, even that one he'll leave the 99 for that one he'll wait 420 years for that one he'll wait for the prodigal son to come home out of that pig pen for that one and he'll wrap around and he'll kiss him at the bible says kataphilia the greek showers him with kisses embraces him puts him on a ring gives him some sandals puts on a robe the ring signifies his identity i am a king and you here's my authority and you stamp the papers you stamp the parchment i am here's my signature i am a king you got shoes in those days Peasants never wore shoes. Only nobility wore shoes. I've got God's shoes. God's children wear God's shoes. And you got something. You have royal blood flowing through you. And you got this robe which identifies you as a royal citizen. Sonship. Oh my friends, God has a robe for you. He's got a ring for you and he's got some divine shoes that never wear out. Just ask the Israelites 40 years in the wilderness. We serve a mighty God. A powerful God who's not finished with you and me yet. God's got a purpose, he's got a program and he's got a plan. I got to close, I got to close, but just hang in with me for another minute or so. 420 years but what I want to show you is this it's all about the mercy God's mercy spared Rahab Rahab, she's a picture of the church she was a non-Jew but she became a believer the church are filled mostly with non-Jews who've been grafted into the vine but God spared Rahab in his judgment and God will spare the church we talked about this quite a bit in our daily devotions I'm telling you friends the Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first and we shall remain and alive shall be caught up together in the air wherefore comfort one another with these words the Lord is coming to catch up to catch up the church those who don't believe in the rapture I don't know what Bible you're reading God is gonna rapture the church after the church is raptured seven years of tribulation in the beginning of the tribulation period The Antichrist will rise and raise his ugly head, bringing bringing hope to a lost world in all of the economies and all the struggles we face. He's going to be like the Hitler of old, he's going to say, I've got the answer, I've got the solution to man's problem, and the Antichrist will have miracles and power, he'll be possessed by Satan himself, and people are going to flock over him, even Israel will make a treaty with him, and he'll break it after three and a half years, and seven long years of hell will take place on the earth, and finally at the end of the seven year tribulation, Jesus will come back and revelation 19 with a horse white horse and he will come and destroy the works of the devil and he'll be bound for a thousand years and ultimately thrown into the lake of fire this is going to happen rahab was spared before destruction came moses was spared before the flood came Israel was spared before the plagues all came. My point is that God has not appointed us unto wrath. Pastor Josh, can you give me First Thessalonians 5, verses 1 to 9? I'm about to close, but hold on. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye know not need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when ye shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, and travail upon a woman with a child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in the darkness, and the day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are the children of light and the children of day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore let us not sleep as do others, Don't, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in night, and they that be drunken are drunken at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet of hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by the Lord. Wrath, the day of the Lord is wrath. And when the tribulation comes, Jacob's trouble, that's wrath, the church will be raptured. Rahab is a picture of the church. She was a, a Gentile. Most of us are Gentiles. We've been grafted into the vine. But my friends, be careful. Don't be overconfident. He's coming as a thief. The thief doesn't leave notes to the person he wants to rob and tells him, hey brother, at 3 o'clock in the morning I'm coming to your house to rob you. He comes suddenly. You need to be ready you need to be ready you need to be ready for you know not the hour in which he cometh be ready, be ready, be ready, be ready how am I ready? I'm keeping my heart right, I'm keeping my eyes on Jesus doesn't mean I'm not gonna make mistakes, doesn't mean I won't fall but I'm gonna get up because I'm getting ready I'm getting ready my trust is in God I don't understand everything but I'm getting ready I'm keeping, I'm keeping my robe clean I'm trying I, He that has this hope purifies himself I'm, I'm watching things I got I to be diligent I'm running this race I got to lay aside these weights that so easily besets me I can't run a race with all these weights and all these obstacles I got to keep myself pure I got to keep my eyes on him because he's not coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle My God Let a man thinketh, he standeth, take heed, lest he fall. Application as we close. Stay with me. Number one, God's ways are not our ways. Romans 11.33, his ways are past finding out. God's weapons are not man's weapons. Trumpets, voices, marching in silence. I don't see arrows or swords or guns. Listen, friends, we don't fight against flesh and blood. Our weapons are not carnal, but the pulling down of strongholds. We fight spiritual warfare. Friends, I'm going to say something very important to all of you, and to those watching on YouTube and Facebook. I know it's Wednesday, but this Sunday you do not want to miss. I am designating the whole day Sunday on exposing Halloween to its core that we do not open the door to halloween is my theme you're going to hear things probably that you've not heard before I'm going to bring it to a certain level, I've talked on this before I'm bringing some information that is absolutely almost indescribable, amazing and shocking but everything is true you do not, I want you to bring your friends anybody who even has a Anton LaVey, the head of the satanic church said this, quote head of the satanic says, I'm so glad that Christian parents send their kids out to Halloween for they have no idea what goes on on Halloween and what their children can become this is what he said I'm going to expose all of that I'm going to expose what trick-or-treating means what its origins from egging, apple bobbing all these things that we think are funny costumes, where do they come from? the pumpkin, what is that? what does that represent? we're gonna get into all of that exposed darkness and witchcraft and sorcery and what goes on on Halloween is beyond comprehension all these children that, are, that get abducted and all these children that go missing I just heard a report uh, not too long ago, just a few days ago A report, a news report, said that there's been an unusual amount of children, more than a thousand children were abducted in Ohio. Especially in the Cleveland area, and especially during September and October. Why? I'm going to tell you why. If I would tell you how many children are sacrificed to the God of Saman, which is what Halloween is originally, it would shock you. We'll be talking about child sacrifice we'll be talking about what witches do how they breed children so that they can sacrifice their children to the devil facts people I've interviewed when I had a television pro- uh, radio program and television program people I met and people I've led to the Lord who were ex-witches so what I'm going to share with you is not some fable or some story I'm going to give you facts we'll come on 8 to Sunday night we're going to have a prayer meeting we'll watch a video and we're going to see God pray you do not want to miss Sunday because everything is related folks we are in a spiritual battle just like Joshua was with the Canaanites we are also in a spiritual battle with principalities that we cannot see their battle was physical our battle is spiritual make no mistake about it when you give your life to Christ you enter into a battle When you make peace with God, you automatically declare war against the enemy. And I'll tell you something, if you want the devil to leave you alone, just do nothing. You you want the devil just to leave you, just warm up a pew, go home, act religious, and he'll leave you alone. The minute you get active the minute you start crying out to God the minute you start praying and fasting the minute you start showing the gospel all hell will break loose but don't worry about it my brothers and sisters because God will protect you God will sustain you I'm going to share some crazy stories let me close with this let me close with this Give me, can I have uh, four, three, five people just five people, I just want you to make a circle please just, anybody, just don't worry about it, I'm not going to embarrass you give me five people, come on five people, don't worry, no embarrassment Five people, I want you to make a circle here. Pastor Melody, Pastor Nadia, I'm going to need you. Make a circle, so, right here. Come on, Gloria, get over here. Come on, don't just smile and look pretty, get over here. What about the rest of you over it. I want five people, not you two. I need one more, one more. Thank you. I want you to make a circle now. Just come sir. a circle. Nadia, I want you to get in the middle. Okay, then give me another... Get over here, brother. Thank you. I want you to hold hands make a circle. Okay, Glory, can you come over here? Okay. Melody, I want you to stand there. Okay. So Nadia is the child of God. The Bible says that God surrounds him, that his angels encamp around him. God's presence is with her. The Bible says that he is a shield of protection. Is that not true? How many remember the story of Balaam and Malak? the king of the Moabites wanted to curse Israel he got Balaam to pronounce a curse over Israel Balaam said okay I'll do it he was a false prophet and so they paid him money you know prophets that prophesy only for money don't let me go that's another sermon and so Balaam now wants to curse Israel he is a picture of Israel we all know the story in Numbers 23 anybody know the story? can I hear an amen? some of you don't well I'm telling you now so Balaam the prophet is coming to curse Israel because the king of Moab didn't like Israel wanted to destroy Israel like we see today the Moabites and the Canaanites have ended up in Palestine and some of these people from Palestine have their roots back here in the land of Canaan just giving you facts okay so what took place back then still exists today the seed that came from Ishmael produced the, Pal- and the Semitic peoples of Palestine, Jordan, all the Palestinian people. The seed that came from, from Isaac, the Jews came about. So the Jews and the Palestinians. There was always warfare from the beginning of time. You think this is new? Everybody. And when Ishmael was kicked out, there's been constant war between the Jew and the Palestinian. Nadia is a picture of Israel. She is surrounded by God's angels, by God's grace and power. But you see, there is a Moabite king. Let's say he's a picture of the devil. It's okay. You're, you're no devil. But you're just going to play the role just for in a very sweet way. So you're looking at Israel and you're saying, Hey, Israel, come over here. So just can you just come over here? Yeah. Come over here. I've got something to, to give you. I need you, Benjamin. Yeah, yeah. I need you, but but she can't because you see, she's being protected. So the devil's not doing a very good job, and so he picks up the anti And King Mole, he, uh, Moab says, "Wait a minute. You, you, can you find a weakness somewhere?" He says, "I try to curse them, but I can't. Every time I curse them, there's a blessing because God protected them." Oh, King. Well, can you find some weakness or something that can get? Israel out of this circle is there something you can do ah there is something and so Balaam surveys and studies Israel gets a certain vantage point and starts to look and see what's going on in the camp and discovers that Israel has a problem with women and so they lusted after certain Moabite women and so the prophet says oh Oh, if we can introduce them to some Moabite women, maybe they can disobey God and have sexual relationships with them. And that's exactly what happened. So Balaam offered Israel Moabite women. He arranged it somehow. And what happened is, as Israel saw the women, as you brought to them, a door opened. And so she comes out of that door. <laughs> and uh, bad example but you get the message <laughs> and ends up falling and 24,000 men died that day because of their sin but pastor they were protected what happened thank you ladies thank you you see James chapter 1 verse 14 Pastor Josh James chapter 1 look what the Bible we're closing with this look what the Bible says but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed the devil is out to entice you and to draw you away God wants to protect you but if you open the door and entertain that sin you're opening the door be careful my friends be careful how you live that's how Israel fell that's why they were disqualified in the wilderness if you heard my sermon on Sunday through four eyes: idolatry immorality infidelity and ingratitude two out of two million made it because they were disqualified in the wilderness for their own lust And so, my prayer for all of us, why am I saying this? Because we're living in days today, brothers and sisters, where the devil is enticing people more than ever before. That people get out of that circle. I've seen it. The Bible said there'll be a great falling away before the come of the Antichrist be released. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, that there's going to be a great departure. In the last days, many shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits. Seducing spirits. You see, Israel was seduced by the Moabite women. They opened the door. Halloween, the occult. Do you know how many children who innocently partook in trick-or-treating, got a little curious as they got older to find out, what is all this witchcraft and ghost and god, and ended up going into the occult? because mommy and daddy took them trick or treating one day and they got curious for more and they ended up getting possessed by demons as they practiced the Ouija board do you know how many people have been possessed by the Ouija board using it incantations of the spirit realm oh, asking the spirit for, for answers and the spirit comes I know this personally because in my family my sister had issues with that and we had to deal with this So I know what I'm talking about. We're fighting not against flesh and blood, my friends. Nor was Joshua in the spirit realm. He fought physical giants, physical enemies. But the principle is the same with Joshua as it is with you and me. We're in a warfare, brothers. And and that's my point in using this illustration. And we have to understand that we can't fight the devil in our own strength. Just like Joshua couldn't fight the devil in his own strength. Amen. But Joshua had the victory because he kept his eyes on God. And friends, that's what you and I are instructed to do. We see this over and over and over again. Keep your eyes on God. He that endures to the end shall be saved keep running this race, and as long as you just lay aside those things that beset you Paul says you started well, but you ended up in the flesh who has bewitched you, who has cut you off it's easy to get cut off today, the devil is sly and he'll use theology to get you off track he'll use nice people to get you off, he'll do whatever he can to get you off track Keep your eyes on God keep your eyes on the word not these so-called prophets and these so-called teachers they're just bringing you further away from God some of them you must have discernment in these last days and what is discernment? not only knowing the difference between right or wrong but knowing the difference as Spurgeon said between what is right and almost right Amen? Jericho's coming down, brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. Let's all stand together.